This is episode 269. Does anybody want 269? Uh, is what you can say at the beginning of the podcast is what you could have said. Gungaga. This is episode 269 of Insert Credit, a relentless smorgasbord of meticulously crafted video game questions presented every week to a panel of experts, all kept apace by a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and I'm here to introduce topics and chew gum, and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> is this about being out of gum? Is that what it, is? What, uh, it could be what you're out of. It could be uh, whatever your catchphrase is. I'm Tim Rogers, and I'm here to not get paid and chew gum, and I'm all out of gum. There we go. How's that? That's pretty good. I'm Brandon Sheffield. <laughs> what am I here to do? Um, uh, I'm here to uh, reference Bonk and the PC Engine and chew gum, and I don't particularly enjoy gum, and I don't I have any. I hate gum. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's misophonic. Uh, joining us this week is Insert Credits console restoration and modification expert, Krista Lee. I'm Krista Lee, and I have really been enjoying all those 3D Realms leaks. Yeah? What's your gum situation? <laughs> well, I, you know, Duke Nukem 3D Realms. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't feel one way or the other about gum. It's fine. Wait, I thought, I thought that was a They Live reference. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Crowd laughing sound effect. <laughs> I didn't know we were talking about the we're bringing the Duke in here, <laughs> the man himself. When given the opportunity, I do bet on him. Uh, I've I've got Duke here. I've got my Duke. That's the one. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, giant Xbox. And uh, Tim's showing us that Duke controller. Uh, Frank was the winner of last week's episode, which means he gets to skip this week's. I guess uh, he's at Magfest. Instead, we have a question which was submitted to me in a flurry by special request from ash parish uh ash sent me a link to a news story about how new congressman robert garcia uh chose okay. to be sworn in on a copy of 1939 superman number one borrowed from the <laughs> library of congress uh so ash asks us what video game cart or box art or insert would you swear on to be voted into congress oh man that's a kind of a fun one why did he, uh, why was he, sw what, being sworn in yeah, on a- Yeah, he was sw being sworn into Congress, and rather than being sworn in on a Bible or religious text, yeah. he chose to be sworn in on a copy of Superman number you, you one. You can technically be sworn in on whatever object you you desire, I guess. I would say don't swear me in on god darn nothing. I know how you feel about swearing. A Superman comic, that's, that's a baby shoes maneuver. I'm sorry, like, no offense, uh- the Bible is, is you know, we can get into how baby shoes the Bible is at some point later. Uh, I just think, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to take your job seriously or don't. Uh, and I think that involves not involving the Bible as well, yeah. to be perfectly honest. We don't need to hear me talk about the Bible, though. We've got, we've got renowned religion hater Brandon Sheffield here to, uh, <laughs> to chime in on a LOL. little bit more of that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't need to uh, discuss the Bible. Proud time, atheist, Brandon Sheffield. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> Ricky Gervais' best friend, Brandon Sheffield. <laughs> Brandon Ricky Gervais Sheffield. <laughs> that guy is not my friend. Uh, oh, maybe he is. I you never know. know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that if I were to swear in on something, I would probably uh, like. I would choose something that I could bring attention to, maybe. So, like, uh, 
a cool indie game that deserves more 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 of a look or something um if i if i if i had like in this scenario i have to do limited this limited run special package of the I, witness no okay i think what i would do is, <laughs> if such since, a thing since, exists i've changed my mind since it's all kind of like a farce and ridiculous uh maybe i would get sworn in on a copy of burger king sneak king for the xbox 360 yeah, yeah there you go oh, yeah there you go yeah, why not? Xbox and Xbox 360. I just opened up Instagram, yeah. and the uh, the first like suggested post is a is a video of Ricky Gervais. Oh no, knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my God, it's God darn listening, Lord. It would be funny to get sworn in on like a copy of Disaster Report or something. That'd be good. Or Metal Wolf Chaos. Now, raw danger all the way, dude. I'd probably get sworn in on a stack of uh, Xevious boards. Yeah. Like, oh. they, you stack them. Yeah. Is it pronounced Xevious or Xevious? That's my joke. I, I know how it's pronounced. Xevious, yeah. Yeah, it's it's Zebius, but Zevious sounds is correct in English, right? Yeah, that's what I said. Because it rhymes with Devious. That was yeah, Devious, Zevious. Gotta love it. Great game, great game title. It's... One of the best. First time a Japanese person brought up Zebius in conversation, I was like, what's that? And then I was like, <laughs> and then my mind just opened. I went, oh. Yeah, same with Darius. Like, I'm not going to call it I'm not going to call it Darius, god darn it. <laughs> Darius. It's not Darius. It. <laughs> it was it was interestingly I was I was having a conversation at a bar that I didn't want to be at with a a a, a lady who talked to me. And she's like, what do you do? For, and I'm like, I work for Sony. I make video I work on video games, uh, sort of uh, tangentially. She's like, I like video games. I'm like, what's your favorite video game? And she said, Zibius. And I was like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> he looks and, like a noob. And then I was like, that's that's an old game. That's the game that got Hideo Kojima to want to be a video game uh, designer. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he played it and he wanted, he was like, I got to make video games. Now, what's the difference between Darius and Gradius? Oh, well, One's... one of them is a little slower. Yeah, yeah. one of them has like uh, pickups. That I guess they both have pickups. And, and the other one's a little more daring, I guess, because <laughs> there's a daring one and a gradual yeah, one. Yeah, one is gravid, one is daring. Truly, yeah, the big go. difference is how the power-ups are applied. Gradius is is glacially, so it should be called glacius. Yeah, um, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. So if the idea is that you swear yourself in, uh, first of all, you believe, first of all, in order to solemnly swear yourself into a political office, you need to believe that uh, that politics can accomplish anything uh, at all, right. uh, which is they, not true. They can accomplish some things on the local level. They definitely can. Is there a game about uh, killing all the politicians and uh, uh, just, uh, in, it just uh, instating anarchy? Uh, swear in on that one. There's a game called Anarchy Reigns. There's that From Software President game that people like. Metal Wolf Chaos. Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos. Lol. Yeah, that's the one. It's actually a, it's a decent game. It reminds me of Murakumo a little bit more than uh, Armored Core. Uh, really? Does anybody else that feel one. that? You ever play Murakumo? I like that one. I haven't. It's a little. It's a little frivolous. Uh, you get it on your. Uh, if you happen to have an Xbox. Oh, I do. <laughs> well, are you in for a treat? <laughs> it's uh, have a little. I would recommend that uh, that Devolver remaster of. Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos. It's very nice. Yep, I, I had a small hand in in making that come out. Well, congratulations! I want to hear about it. It's not very interesting. Yeah. So, okay, swearing swearing yourself in on a video game. Yeah. Uh, it it should be something ideally that you believe in, something that has had a personal impact on you. They say that uh, you know, the, the religion uh, being a, the the Bible being an important document in the United States of America's history because a lot of people think it's cool. Uh. Swearing yourself in on Superman number one, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's less 
baby shoes than the Bible. Still baby shoes. I don't know. If there's, there's no video game that represents my value system. And quite frankly, I think uh, Superman is a bit of a naive value system to have. You know, truth, justice in the American way. Is that his motto? Oh, the American way came a little while later. Interesting. Originally, he was champion of the oppressed, oh. as described in Superman 1. That's pretty good. Oh, well, that's that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that DC Comics are, are uh, more mythological than Marvel Comics. That's fair. A big scale heroes, right? So yeah. I guess uh, uh, the, just the uh, the whole catalog of Superman is basically, it's basically a Bible. It is. It's basically my other job to study it like it's a Bible. Well, see, that's interesting then. I figure there's some value in that. I mean, I would like, like this question on the surface, I think has a high potentiality to be uh, uh, interpreted as just what's your favorite video game. Brandon's going to swear in on Bonk, there we go. Uh, which is not true. Uh, me swear in on Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, I don't know. I can't think mm-hmm. of a video game that uh, as succinctly summarizes. That's uh, the thing. I don't think any Superman fan's favorite Superman comic is Superman number one. Well, it's of course something not. that's representative of what they resonate with. It's also, there's far fewer copies in print yeah. than uh, than the Bible. That's true. I'd probably be sworn in on Shinmu. I could commit to that. That's a good yeah, game. What, what, what CDI game would you get sworn in on? Oh, uh, probably um, Boyer. All right, we're out of time. Uh, Here's my next question. What can you tell about a video game cartridge from its circuit board? Oh, I have some thoughts about that. I feel like this is a Krista question, but I have some thoughts as well. (laughs) Go ahead, yeah. Um, Because these days, you know, they're making new Genesis games. So I got one game recently called Insane Pain. And the, the circuit board is like an inch tall. Very small. It's clearly the budget variant and there's nothing fancy on it and then i've got another games recently with your pcb you can get free like a free what do they call the design that you can put on there or uh whatever the uh, silk screen yeah yeah you can get a free silk screen on there and it can have like something fancy on it or something nice and so that binary of like do you care to put something interesting on the pcb of your cartridge uh versus are you doing it going the cheapest route possible is it's interesting. It it says something. I'm not sure exactly what it says, but it says something. If you have a um, if you have a Sega Saturn, um, and you should, and you get oh, I sure a do. Uh, yeah, good. If you uh, if you have a one of those uh, cartridges, the backup memory cartridges, and you look at the edge of it, uh, whether or not it's beveled, um, that is like ground yeah. down a little bit on the edge, uh, you can see whether or not it's going to destroy your Saturn. Because uh, if you if you have like I think Game Shark, uh, they're very famous for this. So they'll just there's like. 144 pins or something in there really tiny pins awful and uh it'll just it'll destroy them if it's not beveled oh is that why it's called a game shark because it's got all those pins like shark teeth <laughs> well the the pins are in the saturn this yeah the pins are in the saturn yeah it's a game shark because it chews up your games well no so the the pins are in the saturn the game shark goes into yeah, the, the saturn has a slot yeah uh, okay yeah. yeah yeah no i wish that would be well. The you know the n64 one has pins it's like a sonic and knuckles cart or super noah's 3d art Super's Noah, whatever it's called. Action Replay has pins on the top also, the Saturn one. Now, when I was yeah. a kid, the schoolyard wisdom was that Game Shark was relatively safe, but Game Genie would screw you over. Is there any truth to that? No, I think the opposite is true. Was Game Shark the good it's one? It's just hex editing, right? Like, what? It's not dangerous. Oh, I it? mean, ni- 
neither neither is dangerous except for the the game shark having the unbeveled right. cartridge thing for your Saturn. Um, no, neither is neither is dangerous to your game or your hardware. Right. But it's fun that people thought that. I remember that like the hype for the game genie where you know Nintendo was trying to suppress it and that just made more people excited about mm-hmm. it. Kids on the playground just freaking out talking about. Yeah. There's this thing that lets you do whatever you want in a game. And it's like, anything you want to do in the game, you can do it. And it's like, this is the kind of conversation I listened in on uh, rather than just like learn computer programming at a point in history where it would have been incredibly lucrative to do so. <laughs> and then, you know, 30 some years later, I learned that all the people who made like the really cool games that I like the most are either my age or one or two or three years older. And I'm yeah. just like, shoot. It's not very cool that that's true. I got caught <laughs> up in, oh, 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 you can make Mario have a gun with the game genie. No, you can't. You have to make your own game to do that. You know? Lord. I will say my step-siblings had an NES when I was younger. I don't know what I was, 10 or 11, 12, something like that. And uh, they had, I think, five or six games, but also a game genie. And I feel like that was a common thing because there was so much game renting that the game genie was like, okay, well, when when I get this new game, if it's too hard, I could plug it into the game genie and and get these codes. You got to get the codes out of a magazine. You got to you got to you got to go to your local London phone box. That's right. <laughs> to find a postcard with some codes on it. At like the very height of Game Shark Game Genie ubiquity. I remember they were sold with these printed out stickers that they must have like forced Toys R Us employees to put on each box that warning people that this may delete your Pokemon save file, and they were not responsible for that. Yeah, and I bet they still got yelled at. Oh my god, speaking of Pokemon, I was looking to try to figure out why my Roku, when I plug in my headphones, it crashes and restarts. And it turns out this is a common thing that happens to a lot of people. And so I was looking stuff up, and I found this thing that was unrelated to my issue, but it said, uh, disable your Nintendo Switch Wi-Fi. There is a known issue with Nintendo Switch interfering with certain Roku devices, but oh, only yeah. when playing Pokemon Sword and Shield. Huh. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Nintendo Switch is hilarious, man. Game Freak are just... Yeah, Game Freak in particular, yeah. They're, what uh, a bunch of Game Freaks. I mean, it's it's popular to mention this now. Uh, I knew this for such a long time and never made a million dollars worth of uh, TikTok retweets about it. Though uh, the Game Freak was originally a fanzine, you know. Did you know? <laughs> well, this? that's time. What? That's all the time we have for this. It time. was originally a fanzine, and then they made <laughs> oh a game, God. and they're still fanzining it up with the to the tune of billions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would like to talk about ray tracing. Is ray tracing just a graphical enhancement, or can it be implemented into gameplay? Man, the 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 most obnoxious goddarn thing is whenever there's a new video game and there's a video about a digital a digital foundry video about it. Uh, Alex Battaglia, first of all, a beautiful man, makes wonderful videos. He's a guy who knows a lot more about ray tracing than probably any person should, and uh, he's make he's he's pontificating about it to the tune of billions. You know, here's a YouTube channel trying its best to uh, uh, be objective about what's going on with the video game hardware and yet you know the fanboys come slurming out of the woodwork right you know you'll get people saying xbox better playstation better 
uh, clearly you console scrubs don't have a PT. And then there'll be, you know, there's the one guy who's like, uh, are we still talking about ray tracing? We've been promised forever now that it would be made relevant in gameplay. And uh, so far I've seen no convincing implementation. And then, you know, this guy gets no action on his reply. They're always in there. And I always see that guy and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And, and there's an example, people are like, in Hitman, they were saying you could use the ray-traced reflections to see an enemy uh, coming around the corner, and uh, it, it was going to change the way stealth works. And I'm like, I don't know if you really need, I don't know, ray-tracing to do that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's other ways to make a reflection. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm... Uh, you just use cube maps. <laughs> yeah, affecting I mean, actual gameplay, I'm not really sure that it's necessary. Like, it's not yeah. something that, yeah, it, it like, the things that it can do, there's other other ways to do whatever gameplay ap- applications it might have, I think, but I don't want to get all the yeah. way out there saying that, but mm-hmm. but it's cool. I can think of a, an example, um, uh, Taito on the, on the PlayStation. I was going to talk about it. With Ray Tracers. That's ah, Ray Tracers. Oh, very Ray good. Is, Ray Tracers, very good game. Somebody had to. They really affected yeah, the game. gameplay. It's not a bad, <laughs> not a bad game, really. Uh, it's, you know what? I'm going to be honest. It's okay. I just yeah, played it a couple fine. of weeks. It's all right. It's okay. I'll, I'll it's tell you, not I, as bad as I, people I, say. I had ray tracing affect my gameplay just uh, last night, actually. Um, oh. oh, yeah? I was uh, I was playing The Witcher 3 uh, on my 4090, and uh, the frame rate suddenly dipped from 120 yeah. <laughs> frames per second to, like, 12, and a god darn goblin killed me. Like, no joke. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's the main way. So, I mean, that really, I and I was at the time on the shore of a great lake, you know, and mm-hmm. the reflections were bounteous and beautiful. I do not know. I was playing it on my Asus ROG Strix Republic of Gamers uh, NVIDIA 4090 graphics processing unit, known colloquially as a GPU. I still can't get that game to run at a solid... <laughs> anything I, i'm just i'm unwilling to compromise <laughs> to compromise on the uh the settings so that's uh well, how has ray tracing affected gameplay i'm gonna tell you it has affected me getting uh, 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 uh never getting beyond the griffin in the witcher because i keep thinking the next generation is gonna handle it better and i had it running at 4k 120 on my god darn 3090 and there was no ray tracing at all in the witcher and then they upgraded it right before I got my new computer, and now it's got ray tracing, and I can't run it at 4K 120 on max specs. So what am I supposed to do? Wait, so you you haven't gone past the Griffin, meaning I've played more of The Witcher Three than you? Oh, no, I mean, well, no, no, oh no, I've gotten past the Griffin, Jerry. Um, I okay. just uh, I have I have killed the Griffin like 18 times, is what I'm saying. I've, I've killed the Griffin a lot because I keep starting over because because the graphics are a little little bit sweeter now. Let's go ahead and start it over. And uh, now I I went ahead and started it over with the ray tracing and I I uh, it's it's not looking good. I might have to hit up John Linneman himself for some tips. I, I, I don't feel like that game warrants uh, high end graphics. Like the the models aren't good enough for me to care uh, about well that. i mean they basically so what they did and i th- i find this actually a beautiful gesture they they basically remade a vast majority of the game uh and they just released it a couple weeks ago and they called it a patch i guess uh as some kind of a 
uh, a cheeky apology for like what happened with the launch of Cyberpunk or whatever. CD Projekt Red is uh, just striving to uh, regain some goodwill. They went ahead and basically remade all the graphics in The Witcher 3. Uh, everything. The foliage looks wonderful. It's all new foliage, all new textures. Models have been redone. Uh, every Everything's been... And then it's, it's ray traced just... You know, it's a little bit too much ray tracing, even for my 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 new computer's so big, it's it's disgusting. Uh, this thing can't even handle it. It's making me sad. Someone on the forums was a uh, was corrected from saying foliage to foliage. Oh, <laughs> oh foliage. They might have been doing a Simpsons joke. No, by by their teacher. Oh wow. People who correct uh, people, uh, most often they're not very good at anything. So I mean, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting if you look at that. That's fair. Uh, my next question is, uh, how baby shoes is the Bible? Uh, no, my next question is... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's baby shoes, Frank. <laughs> I'm just pretending Frank is here. Never worn. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, what, do, what do players think about a lot more than game developers? <laughs> what do players think about more than game developers? That's the question? That is the question. Oh, I thought you, I missed part of it. I thought you were saying, what do they think about more than game development? So, because uh, they they love to talk about. Well, let's just spend a couple minutes uh, t- talking about what if the thing you thought he said is the thing he said. <laughs> uh, that, that's a hit with podcast audiences worldwide, isn't it? Like that it's sort a favorite. Of <laughs> no, well, I mean, in in this case, Tim, I I literally couldn't hear what he said. Yeah, it actually affected the gameplay there. That particular ray trace. That ray tracing. Uh, yeah. Now, what's the difference actually... between ray tracing and ridge racing? Mm. Oh, so much. Uh, Taito and Namco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ridge yeah. racing is better. God, Namco is definitely better at titling stuff. Ridge racers, a weird. That's a weird name. Cleopatra Fortune, though. Yeah, it's pretty no, good. Title. Yeah. Back to the question. I think that game players do think more about. User experience text size and subtitles. than game developers do. <laughs> yeah, text size and subtitles. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, that's user true. experience just in general, because there's there's like a... they're the user. Yeah, you can't be the user of a video game when you're developing it. No, you think you can approximate him. You think you can conjure him. We're imagining. You know, I'm talking to him because it's the gamer guy. You know, it's it's a guy who looks like a gamer uh, who's gonna just kick your stuff. And drinking his monster energy or whatever like uh you think you can conjure him you know you think it's an easy thought experiment you really can't though you can do your best yeah right you can do your best so you're not the user the user is uh uh has a, a drastically different fundamental relationship with the work than you do so hey, user experience is god darn alchemy man you know it's like uh, if you know any professionals in that particular field it's god darn alchemy i've said it before the only person who knows the difference between a user experience and a user interface is a user experience designer. Uh, so it's a, it's uh it trust me, dude. I, I had one explain it to me once, you know, and uh, that was a good time. Uh, it was a good time to get just, you know, that passive aggressively to get yelled at so quietly. It was very interesting. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a thing the player thinks about more. Go ahead and think of some more if you'd like. Uh, Maybe I will. The graphics, definitely. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and think yeah. quietly. Players definitely think about... Uh, That's not true. They don't think about the graphics more. Players definitely think about the console wars a lot more than the developers that's do. That's true. Like, yeah. way more. Uh, astronomically more. Because uh, they've got to buy the consoles. So, whichever one they buy, you know, that's that's their team. That's their baseball cap, right? I saw the other day, I was, I was browsing Twitter for 
God knows why. And I, I saw someone bemoaning that in Sonic Frontiers, the, that when he runs off of an edge, he keeps running and doesn't have a falling animation. Oh. You just, you can't. Oh yeah. So the presence or absence of animations uh yeah, contextual animations for everything. Yeah, they, mm. I think the the player definitely thinks more about what wasn't done. Uh that's not true. What more they can complain about. Yeah, I just watched Sonic 2 the movie and oh, I, no. I kept, ah. he kept being in the water and I kept waiting for the do 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 and they never did it. And it's like they did so many other kind of uh I don't want to say cheap, but like easy sonic <laughs> jokes and they oh, didn't yeah, do that it was very surprising to me that they I mean, they, they had him suck in an air bubble but they didn't have him go do 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 i think it's perfectly fine did it make fine. a little noise when he sucked in the air bubble uh no it didn't go or yeah, whatever it did not well, what's i the think point? i think it's it God. is perfectly fine brandon to call whatever you want about that movie cheap it's i think it's perfectly fine <laughs> like no offense to it like uh you know it was uh it was an evenings of uh, not falling asleep worth of entertainment. When the first one came out, I looked at, I freeze framed every single frame of the, the Sega logo and counted yeah. two Space Harriers, three Sakura Tysons, and a Nights into Dreams. And I thought, well, that's nice. Yeah, that's good. I didn't have any more fun with that. I liked the first one. I think the second one had a little, little too many things going on, and none of them had time to breathe or or develop into anything. So it was just mm. like a lot yeah, of they were underwater. Yeah, because they were underwater. It was a lot more stuff, but uh, also a lot more stuff. A little too long, not quite there. But uh, it was fine. I watched it. There was that whole sitcom episode in the middle about the wedding in Hawaii too. That was a little. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was bizarre. it was very plotting. Yeah, they could have gotten like a comedian to look at some of the jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people out there, you know, you know, kind hearted enough to do it for free. You know, not me, though. It was weird how it was simultaneously more uh, like more Sonic lore ish where it was just like and then the crystals and then these owls and whatever. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the echidma, echidna are a proud warrior race. And, and they were like getting into the lore. And then meanwhile, simultaneously, there's this Most wedding grounded. sitcom thing that, that has nothing to do with 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 anything and so they were just going in two separate directions and they did they did not meet yeah well when it when it when it does sort of converge it's uh yeah. it's just very kind of hopelessly boring is like the phrase <laughs> it's just kind of like okay i guess it's it's you brought it back around and we knew it was going to be this way but so that happened is what <laughs> yeah. you're meant to say that's right <laughs> Uh, here's my next question. What is the very best 100% dead video game company? 100% dead. You're going to have to define that. Is Namco dead? Is there a company called Namco still in operation? Then it's not dead. Yes, Bandai Namco. Well, it's, that's hard because like who, sometimes people own the rights. So like Iguana is dead, but Turok and all that stuff is not. So when you say company, do you mean, you mean developer or, uh. Uh, I kept that intentionally broad. It's loose. Hudson is probably the easy answer, right? Yeah, but I mean, hmm. Hudson's legit. I guess I guess they are dead since they're fully absorbed by Konami and not doing anything. I guess Nichibutsu is another. Konami's one. basically dead. Yeah, the the branding is gone. Nichibutsu is is definitely no Hudson, but they they had a couple fun things. Yeah, I guess Hudson's probably the real answer. Yeah, it's got a was as the first verb in its Wikipedia article and everything. Yeah, there you go. Shoot. Yeah, you can't beat Hudson. I don't think Game Arts is around. Is uh is Midway dead? Midway's dead, right? 
Midway's yeah. dead. Midway was legit, dude. The Game Arts team still exists under... Under Squeenix, right? Squeenix. Love Game Arts. So those people are still together. What about Neverland? Is, is Neverland I have still... A, I have a sick obsession with the Hasbro Interactive uh, games where they like... We made Frogger into a, a Sage-based uh, exploring game. Yeah. And Hasbro Interactive's dead, but I I wouldn't say that was good. Yeah. Yeah, there, were, there was an episode where we discussed how there are four completely different games called Frogger 2. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. In fact, I don't think we yeah. no, that's the first one. I don't think we discussed how Frogger is the final released game on a lot of game consoles as well. Yeah. It was very strange. Oh really? Yeah. The last Sega Genesis game before, you know, the modern revival was Frogger in nineteen ninety eight. Very strange. It's like Charles Foster Kane crying out Rosebud, except it's a Frogger game. <laughs> that's right. I was shocked to find that that was by the medieval developers, uh, Sony Cambridge, I think. And also, uh, it was like one of the best-selling games on PlayStation, the the PS1 one. Uh, very strange game. It haunts me. Oh, uh, actually, wait the the best um, the best dead game company is uh, SNK because mm. they're dead because they're dead, they're to, dead me. to me. Yeah, ah, there you go. They they could revive at any time if they can if they can somehow become independent again. But one hundred percent dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's fallen, not dead. I know it's it. That's that's uh, it's not correct. Yeah, but it's it's definitely Hudson. River Hill Soft is pretty good too. Uh, I that? I think uh, I think we could call it there. We'll be right back after a quick break. We'll be right back after a quick break. Yeah, I could have come up with more, but they weren't going to be better than Hudson. Yeah, Hudson's such an easy one. I just wanted to say Neverland was my favorite. That's the one I would pick. Oh, they made Shining yeah. Force Neo, Shining Force Ixa. They made Rune Factory. They made Rengoku, Rengoku 2. Rune Factory, they made all the Lufia games. They made Energy Breaker. They made Sima the Enemy. They made Rune mm. Factory 4. Now they're just, they're, I believe, completely gone. Rune Factory. Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to venture once more into the dirt bag. This is the All part right. of every episode where we go to the questions submitted to us via patreon.com slash insert credit, where for mere dollars a month, you can get access to that form that allows you to ask your own questions to our illustrious panel, get monthly bonus episodes and other fun surprises you'll only be able to discern the nature of once you sign up. Uh, this week's question comes from Spencer Gifts, who asks... When did video games become mainstream? Mainstream, Halo. You think? Two thousand one. A golden eye. Come a long way since Pong. I don't know. It's it's it it feels like it was actually kind of early. It, I think it was discussed as not being mainstream, but it was also like everybody was going down to the arcades to play a video game in the seventies. So I'm not yeah, really sure. I feel like Pong and Pac Man were pretty mainstream. Like I. I feel like the non-mainstreamness of games historically is sort of overstated. We could maybe say that uh, those early video games, Pong and Pac-Man, Space Invaders and such, were early video games before video gaming became... It was an industry, right? And there was a... They were making big money out of it, but th there was like a fad phase, right? Yeah, I think it was a fad first and then became a niche later. Yeah, I think the best, uh, the best angle to approach this question is... Uh, assuming video games started as a fad, became a niche, when after the niche phase did they become mainstream, right? Is that the question? 
you think? I think that's a good way to interpret yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know if this is the answer, but I've I've certainly heard people reference when Sonic was in the uh, Macy's Day Parade, Macy's oh. Thanksgiving Day Parade or whatever. Yeah, that was a moment. As being a moment when games hit hit mainstream because and then it whatever flew away and killed everybody it didn't kill we're talking worldwide right like uh the famicom was so much bigger culturally in japan than the nes and super mario brothers like ever was right so it just kind of never never left the mainstream really uh in japan which is why the nintendo wii the nintendo wii is a good example of globally just like absolutely yeah like definitively it was mainstream that nintendo oh, yeah. wii was very mainstream but again is that a second fad phase like who knows right like uh i would say that's kind of a little you know just a, a fat a, a fad like resurgence yeah uh, it's a good question it seemed it like if it's if it's coming in waves like that does that indicate ebbing and flowing uh receding of 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 um mainstreamness or is it just like adding to the continued is it penetrating further into the mainstream because you could also say uh smartphone games made video games super mainstream because you you got candy crush people who say they're not gamers or if you asked them they wouldn't say that they were but they play words with friends and candy crush and two dots and uh wordle and whatever those are video games let's say wordle's not really a video game you know if you look at sort of sales of games hardware you know to play games is, I mean, decreasingly so, but historically sort of gated behind a hardware purchase. There's a really clear answer here, and it's the one that came with a DVD player. I think the PS2 ah. was sort of the moment that, like, video games became ubiquitous, probably not on their yeah. own behalf, but because you could get a cheap DVD player, and then suddenly, you know, oh, look, there's Maximo. Uh, anic- anecdotal, though, my dad, he didn't want no PlayStation 2. He went out of his way to just buy a DVD player that did not have none of those video games in it. So Yeah, and PS2 didn't come with a remote. He was 50 years old, which is closer to my age now than my age was then, than to my age then. So uh, that's a little weird. But, uh, hmm, though still, PS2 is pretty good. That's a good one, yeah. One answer that's definitely not true is Nintendo 64, Super Mario 64. Uh, Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, greatest game of all time. Everyone oh, yeah. knows that. However, <laughs> mathematically, you know, however, did that really have any kind of mainstream cultural impact? Of course not. I'm joking, of course. I was just looking at a list yesterday of like, these games are 25 years old now because 25 years ago is 1998. And like, mm-hmm. there's this like story we tell ourselves about Ocarina of Time, like cementing these like Super Mario 64 comes and now 3D is just like, that's how 3D is. And then Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time comes and it's like, now it's solidified. This is 3D now. But like Half-Life, Panzer Dragoon Saga, uh, yeah. Sonic Adventure, uh, <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie, Spyro the Dragon. Like there's a bunch of different like 1998 3D games of various like approaches. And it's like, it did not have, it was a pretty crowded room. Not to mention that Ocarina of Time is is basically just like, a dumbed down tomb raider you know like i mean tomb raider one had been around for a couple years at that point before mario 64 even right and it doesn't get 90 percent of the credit that super mario 64 gets because mario 64 was very easy to pick up and play and tomb raider uh, definitely was not tomb raider though it achieved this like like very strange ubiquity like like it was a game if you had a computer like you could get 
Tomb Raider at the at the Staples. Like there's this weird mm-hmm. like unavoidableness of Tomb Raider back in the like 90s early aughts. I remember it was just like everywhere but it's this like really opaque you know weird controlling hold a button while doing a handstand to do a weird sexy handstand just like weirdly like intricate game hold two shoulder buttons to hold on to grab a ledge when you jump yeah yeah it was uh it was the exact sort of thing that the nintendo wii uh that shigeru miyamoto's wife didn't want to play it basically (laughs) right it was the exact sort of thing the nintendo wii was made to (laughs) <laughs> to uh to rectify yes. video games involving too many buttons tomb raider is a classic case of way too many buttons i love it i love it though oh it's amazing to appease that tyrant who runs the game industry mrs miyamoto they should have yeah. put that on the on the the jaguar only that has enough face buttons for the uh, for the tomb raider <laughs> but i i think my real answer to this question my answer is gonna i'm sticking with smartphone because that is when people were pl- Angry Birds? people were playing games without thinking that they were playing games and mm. and to me that that's yeah. like mainstream when it's it's not thought about or considered it's just a part of people's commute or whatever yeah 2005 <laughs> you mentioned video games someone's going to tell you uh i liked zebiosa right <laughs> that's right and uh 2008 2009 2010 you know, I don't, I don't, I don't play video games, but they've got Angry Birds running on their phone yeah, while they, they say that. To, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's time for us to return once again to Violence Island. <laughs> this is our segment every month where we take our communities who would win in a fight matches submitted to us at forums.insertcredit.com. Decide who the victors are, pitch those victors against each other until we have one winner, and then retire that winner until a season finale at some point in the future. Here are our combatants. Uh, Our first match is Donkey Kong Jr. versus Pac-Man Jr. Uh, Interesting. Well, Donkey Kong Jr. is also just Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong Country, according to the lore. Actually, that would be Donkey Kong the third. Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong Country is the son of Donkey Kong Jr., Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. So Cranky Kong is his grandpa, who was the original Donkey Kong. What What are their relative sizes? How big is... Do we know how big Pac-Man or Pac-Man Jr. actually are? What are what are the ghosts human-sized ghosts? We, don't, we have no idea yeah, we how big any of those things are. Both Pac-Man and Donkey Kong Jr. have been racers in the Mario Kart games. So oh, I would say true. they're of comparable sizes. So I think if they're of comparable sizes, then Pac-Man wins because Pac-Man can just eat whatever is in front of him. Only if he's eaten a power pellet. Yeah. Can Pac-Man eat anything that's in front of him? Or can he only eat dots and fruits and ghosts? Uh, well, he can eat... And Galaxians. Yeah, and aren't there like keys sometimes or things like that yes. that you can eat? I guess there are keys. I think okay. that's just about... Uh, to me, if you can if you can eat metal, you, you, you can get almost anything. Mm, that's true. But... That it does it does bring up the interesting question of whether there's a power pellet. Donkey Kong Jr. is a dirtbag. Takes him like eight minutes to solve a math problem. That's true. <laughs> right? He's not very good at tennis. Don't like it. No. Yeah. He's just, he's a little, little piece of trash. No offense to him. All right. Pac-Man Jr. then. Uh, well, what are the qualitative differences between Pac-Man and Pac-Man Jr.? A generation. One's the son of the other. That's it. I yeah. think. He's smaller. He's more agile. I think they're mm. the same. That's fair. What about Baby Pac-Man with the pinball game? Baby Pac-Man can go straight uh, down the toilet. <laughs> All right. Our winner is Pac-Man Jr. Our next match. Flush him. 
Master Hand versus Crazy Hand. Who are these? Oh, Master Hand is the hand from uh, Smash Bros. <laughs> okay. And Crazy Hand is the other hand from Smash Bros. Yeah, they both are. Okay. Well, not familiar one with of them this. is the master. Yes. And the other is... Uh, Crazy. The other one is just kind of unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just going to be the master. Then again, you never know who's the master. They're representatives of order and chaos. Oh, see. Crazy Hand is a left hand. Yeah, Master Hand is a right hand. Because it's the hands of the the child that's playing with the toys in the opening sequence of Super Smash. You know how kids like to make one toy uh, yelling in one hand, and then one toy is a, a hero in the other hand? Yeah. Master Hand? I don't know. I don't I mean, usually the Master Hand would be the hand that controls the toy that's going to win, right? I don't have a horse in this race. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy Hand has more unpredictable attacks, but conceptually, yeah. Crazy Hand is a right hand. No, this ma- whole I- world is designed for right hands. I think Master Hand is a right hand. Yeah, Master, master Hand. That's right what I mean. Hand, yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Who cares? The master <laughs> Hand is a right hand. The world is designed for right hands. That's true. Speaking as a left-handed person. I'm ambidextrous, and I just choose the right because it's the world has already chosen it for me. Yeah, I will say that I read this study when I was young. I have no idea if there's any credibility to it now that left-handed people have a shorter life expectancy than right-handed people. So I think Master Hand wins if he just waits this one out. Yeah, that's all nonsense, but also, why not? Yeah. Let's, let's take it. <laughs> all right. Our next match is Balrog from Street Fighter, also known Love as him. M. Bison in Japan. Mike Bison. Uh, versus Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, good question. Mike Bison versus Mike Tyson. Right. I think it's M. Bison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he's got... He's got a more more variety in his move set. M. Bison is fighting against folks with projectiles uh, who can who can spin upside down, etc. Yeah. And and uh, fights with equal verve and uh, is able to to win tournaments occasionally. Yeah, he, so. he can occasionally win some fights. Whereas uh, you know, Muhammad Ali once famously said that like Bruce Lee could tear him apart. You know, yeah, because mm-hmm. boxing is a boxing is a game. It's it's got rules. It's not. It's not a simple street fight, um, and you know, over specialization has a tendency to uh, disincline an individual from another particular set of skills. So, getting good yeah. at fight sports might actually somehow result in getting worse at fighting for your life in like a fighting scenario. And Bison has specials too. I'd say Mike Bison's got this one in his Bison bag, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Uh, victory I, I, to don't, Mike... I don't know what that no? means. Yeah, I don't know no. what that means either. But do you agree that Mike Bison would win this fight? Yeah, Mike Bison, he, uh, would, he would throttle him. Yeah. That's fair. All right, our next match in these preliminaries are, is Sam and Max versus Lucky and Wild. Uh, oh. Sorry, that, one's, that one is beyond me. Who is Lucky and Wild? Sorry. The Taito game Lucky and Wild, that's an asymmetrical oh, co-op oh, you'd, game. You'd like it. Right. Yes, no, I know this one, game. One you. drives, the other shoots. Yeah, Lucky and Wild have a gun in a car. Sam and Max have, a, like, a gun in a trench coat. I don't know if they can... It, I don't know they if they hit can the succeed. road. They do hit the road. That's a good point. So maybe they have a car as well. Yes, this is that, like, super scalar game. Whereas Lucky and Wild shoot the road. So shooting the road is a little better than hitting the road, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I, I would also agree that Lucky and Wild are better equipped for this particular milieu. That game is really fun to play once. It's fun to think about making an making a different one. It's fun to think, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun to play it and be like, I should make a video game like this. That's right. 
<laughs> a lot of those arcade games are. Our semifinals uh, brings us to Pac-Man Jr. versus Master Hand. Oh, no. Pac-Man's got this. You think? Master Hand can fly all around. I would agree because we have already established Pac-Man Jr. is qualitatively equivalent to Pac-Man, who can defeat Master Hand in yeah, the I've uh, seen it. Smash Brothers uh, video games. Yes, I've seen it happen. Right. Well, there it is I've then. Been, I've been witness to it. He can definitely do it. He's younger. He's smaller. He's hungrier. Yes. <laughs> I mean. He's young, dumb, and full of power pellets. He's, he's yumber, he's dumber, and he's full of humber, right? That's yeah. right. It's, uh, sorry, sorry. I just got to say, it's Junior Pac-Man. It's not Pac-Man Junior. I'm just looking it up now. Oh. It's Junior Pac-Man. Okay, uh, Junior Pac-Man it is. Interesting. We have to amend the record. Also, in Japan, they do say PM 8 o'clock. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's okay to switch them around. That's true. I think they really do say that. That's because they read from right to left, though. <laughs> I guess. Yet the uh, the train ticket still goes in on the right-hand side of the turnstile. Mm-hmm. Uh, make of that what you will. I will. Uh, Mike Bison versus Lucky and Wild. Well, he's going to get run over by a car and shot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. It's basically a drive-by at that point. It, it, it is a drive-by. However. I don't care how tough your fists are. M. Bison can beat up a car as in Street Fighter 2. Uh, yeah, but the car has to be stationary. But the car is stationary. They're just sitting on a goddamn dock. First of all, who parks that way on a dock? <laughs> who orients a car in that position on a dock? I'd do it. I'd do it. Just waits for somebody to punch it? Come on. Oh, uh, my car. Uh, okay, our finale is Junior <laughs> Pac-Man versus Lucky and Wild. Thank you. This is, this is I got to admit, this is a real big who cares for me right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sitting around licking my lips uh, at the uh, the deliciousness of this match. This is this is yeah, not a, one of our veteran. This has reached a point where where you're you're just making pure podcast content at this point. You know that's right. PPC, Jerry. This we haven't had a pure <laughs> podcast content moment this dense since I sat here and talked for like twelve minutes about about why the legend of zelda ocarina of time ain't so much fun no more uh that was that was the purest podcast moment we've ever had this is like junior pac-man versus lucky and wild uh a P- what are we a, a doing battling here? each other on a on a beach at 8 at p.m 8 30 uh you know like what's going on here oh man i don't know this is just a. This is just, you know. I mean, Pac-Man's just... pretty small. He's probably he's probably going to get run over and shot. Uh, I don't yeah. think he can eat the bullets fast enough. He's going to get run over and shot. I mean, maybe the power pellets are bullets, and maybe Pac-Man, like the maze, hmm. is like moving at 50,000 miles per hour <laughs> in space. So, Could be. You know? Does yeah. he have the jump from Pac-Mania? Uh, Definitely. Is, pa- is Junior Pac-Man in that game, or is that just Pac-Man? No, that's, I just, think that's Pac-Man. just Pac-Man. Junior Pac-Man was made by a printer company, so... Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, of course. A lot of good games were, okay? <laughs> don't, don't hold that against them. Good old Epson. Uh, oh, I'm giving it to Lucky and Wild. Uh, yeah, why yeah not? They, they deserve it. Let's end this segment. Uh, here's my last question of the podcast before we go on to the lightning round. Uh, I'd like to open a discussion about the point of no return in many video games. Oh, I love where it. Where you give up the chance to explore the world, or at least some state of the world, once yeah. you cross a certain threshold. 
Mm-hmm. How important is it to signal players that this is happening, and what's the right way to do it? Uh, well, the way that, uh, for example, Cyberpunk 2077 does it, uh, a whole bunch of story events, uh, all of the story threads wind up you know, with uh, your character being uh, asked to meet a person uh, at a restaurant uh, where it's just going to be a very, you know, a, a, a desperate conversation, the last possible solution and as you walk in you're approaching the restaurant there's two bodyguards outside you know as you approach you see them touch their earpiece and they're whispering and then they look at you and they go it's right this way and they let you in and as soon as you step in the door the game slams to a freeze frame and a a big old text window pops up and goes hey if you go in here that's it jerry you're done um and it it feels cool and then you realize that you have like 400 save files (laughs) and it's like oh i can just kind of mess around with whatever i want it's just locks you into the ending mission which is like two hours long which is not really you know you you can redo that however many times you want and have a good time yeah i feel of two minds about that sort of uh tell you tell you like it is slam it on there because there are two things one is yeah you probably got 400 save files and and it doesn't matter that much and then the other thing is, I've never not been a bit disappointed when I see that message because because for a game that I've played long enough to get to that message, I kind of want to hang out there some more. Yeah. And then when I see this, like, uh, it, it's it's especially though in like RPGs where you where I couldn't go back and do like Cyberpunk being open world, you feel a little less constricted by it. But when when you're in a Persona or something, and it's like this is your last week, then it's like, oh man. I did. I, I had all this other stuff I was gonna do. Oh yeah, that's rough. At least it's it's uh, it's admirable to look at a, a piece of work that really commits to something like that. It In is. Cyberpunk, it's more like you know the 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 window even says if you there's a plenty more stuff you can probably do. There's a uh, many side quests. Uh, there's a whole lot of fun you can have before this. But the way they phrase it is actually a little distasteful to me because the headline on the window, the text box, says point of no return, right? I feel like that's way too harsh. Whereas what it really is is this is the final mission and once you're in here, you can't go back into the open world. Yeah. And you even can't you can't even save your game. There's a part where you choose which of the final missions you're going to do. There's like five final missions you can do and you choose one. And that gives you your ending, right? I mean, there's various little little tweaks to the ending that can happen through those as well. Though it's like, a, it's like, just tell me this is the final mission of the game, by the way. Uh, when you go in here, it's the final mission. Point of No Return makes it sound like, if I start this up, I'm burning my saves, you know? I want a Yoko Taro level of commitment. Uh when, uh, if if you're going to use the actual phraseology point of no return, like you better you should commit to it instead mm-hmm. of just saying this is the final mission. You can't save in this final mission. That's all you should need to tell me. You can't save in this final mission. This is the final mission. You can't save in here. By the way, I had a weird inversion of that, which is like I guess games used to do this a lot more in the past. But I've been playing Harvestella, which is fine but uh oh, i have not yet unlocked saving uh, oh yeah that's something i wish they would tell me you will be able to save later you can't save now because i i died out in the field for a reason i still am not aware of i don't know why i died i had a bunch of health 
and I had a bunch of my hunger gauge was not empty. Maybe I ran out of stamina. I didn't see it though. That stamina will do it to you. And then I, I, I woke up in, in my home and it's like, well, that was a big waste of time for me. I wish I could have had the opportunity to save. I'm like two hours in. I still can't save the game yet. Yeah, that's no good. That's the inverted point of point of too much return. Yeah, <laughs> is what that I could played be. Chrono Trigger for the first time last year. Um, oh, I love that, that game one. Is essentially on a on a monorail track until a point where it's like, well, okay, um, you got a thing to go kill, and then there's this other stuff. Uh, have fun. I also like I played the uh, Live Alive uh, remake, which does a similar thing because it's kind of a dry run for Chrono Trigger. Um, yeah. I also played God of War Ragnarok last month, um, which is a tremendous game in a lot of ways. But every single time you finish a, a story beat in a zone, the characters all chatter about how, well, we could hang around here and do some more exploring if you want. And they do this like at least 40 times. Yeah. And yeah. I liked that game a lot, but I would say probably more like Chrono. Little too video gamey. Little, little. Yeah. So the, the reason this, this point of no return thing. So first of all, I want to say I love when a game is. So first of all, Chrono Trigger so far is one of the only games that does this, and this is one of the reasons for its enduring appeal, is it is, as you said, a monorail. It is a mega linear game that suddenly gives you some choices, right? And it's like, I like that. Uh, I mean, if if that god darn railroad segment of the game weren't so charming, it would be really sleazy, right? Uh, though it's like they, they, they managed to have just a really good story, and then they're like, you can now choose a couple of things. And, uh, you know, affect the outcome of the story. There's a part in Chrono Trigger. This is, you know, we're coming up on 30 years of this game. I don't want to spoil it. Though there's You can pardon or kill a character uh, at at, uh, uh, at one point, like pretty late into the story, I would say. And it's, it's very impactful and very neat that it's in there. And the fact that it is actually put to you as a choice is is pretty mind-blowing and it's the sort of agency you were just not really given elsewhere in the game because you're getting torn through time and kind of ripped around so it's like the the fact that it it pulls it off like a magic trick and that's very very wonderful and there's a couple other things it does that are also similarly wonderful uh, we don't have time to get into the the history of narrative design in Japanese role-playing games right now. No, in fact, we're out of time. Oh, oh well, uh, let me just say, the reason this point of no return has become a sort of a sticking point in discourses about video games is pretty much entirely because of the more modern open-world video games that have side quests that can expire, right? Mm-hmm. We know what this means. It's a side quest that you can't do anymore, and then people are like, what? I wanted to do that side quest. So I think the best way to handle a point of no return is the way Red Dead Redemption 2 does, which is uh, there's a final mission in every chapter. And if you're, a, if you're a cool person who's having a real good time enjoying the hyper-authentically written 19th century, uh, early 20th century dialogue, you just kind of know, oh, these guys are going to have to get up and move their camp somewhere else after this, right? You That's where you know you're about to be displaced geographically and you should just do your side quests before you get displaced geographically to another place where all of the characters' uh, living situations change somewhat drastically and some time skips a few months forward. Red Dead Redemption 2, it has multiple points of no return throughout the game. This is a video game people are going to be studying for a while um, and I feel like people haven't even really started talking too much about it. We, I, I, I remember when I did some pure podcast content to... <laughs> about <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, for several minutes. So it's like people haven't even really started like saying the cool stuff they're going to say about this game. So it's like the way it has multiple points of no return throughout the story that 
if you are engaged literarily with the game and you're like really enjoying the storytelling, you, you just know, oh, I should do some of these side quests before we have to move somewhere else. You know, because I think if I go on this mission with these guys, it's, it could go bad, you know, and then you're like, I should do some side quests. There's definitely games that uh, that give you the uh, maybe I should go left because the to the right is where I'm definitely supposed to be. So I got to wrap up this other stuff first. I like that. But it's like I did I did some quite positive uh, Internet content regarding Red Dead Redemption 2, which means to this day I receive people's hatred of the game my varying inboxes why do you like this game you made a video and you said you liked it i hate it and they always bring up uh getting locked out of side quests hmm. and missing achievements because they didn't do a side quest I see. that some guy in their camp was begging them to do and they just mainlined the story and then they want to go back later and do it i like how yakuza does it because mm. they mm -hmm. they tell you what the point of no return is but they also tell you, don't worry, after you beat the game, you can come back and do side quests. Do the free run, explore mode, do, yeah. Yeah. And so Added they, they, to, uh, to, to preempt any complaints, uh, the yeah. complaints the likes of which Red Dead Redemption 2 received copiously. Right. Uh, so it kind of, it, it lets, it's almost what you were saying, Tim, where, where it's like telling you that this, this is your final, your final big battle thing you can't save during this. However... You can come back and mop up your side quests later if you want to, so don't worry about it. That is, uh, I, I referred to uh, that uh, in my Final Fantasy VII Remake video that I did a while back, where it's uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is a Yakuza game, uh, unambiguously. You'd have to be a real rube to not notice that. Uh, Chrissy, you played FF7 Remake, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's definitely a Yakuza game. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a Yakuza game. Uh, and that's the best possible uh, turnout there because uh, Yakuza just is JRPGs now. I mean, it became a Dragon Quest. We don't need to get into that. The the, the Final Fantasy VII Remake does a really good job of, of portending the point of no return. When you reach the point of no return in the Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's that shiny golden wire of hope, right? So it's, it's like that moment uh, where it's, we're going to climb this wire and we're going to go fight this final battle. You don't even really have a hub world in that game like at all because they keep moving you to new places and you're like, "Oh, I'm in an overworld now." Uh for the first time in this 30 hours, I now have an overworld with a bunch of little side quests I could do. And you've got Tifa just like being like, "Cloud, these people could use some help. We really we're probably never going to be able to come back here." And like they make it such a dramatic moment. And then you go up to the surface and you have this whole, for me, it was like 14 more hours of game. So it's like the point of no return <laughs> leads you into a 14 hour segment of video game, which is very funny. Right. Um, and then, you know, they do just let you select chapters later, uh, which is very fun. And I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, unless you are a hundred percent committing the rockstar way that Red Dead Redemption 2 does. Just burning people. I really like the sort of, I guess it starts with Trails in the Sky, but Falcom games, they they sort of, they have side quests and the side quests have expiration times and the expiration times are sort of delivered to you and it's sort of tangentially, but not quite exactly clear related to story progression. And you have sort of a near range, mid range, far range, like time to do a thing. And so mm -hmm. as you like progress through Ease 8 and you're exploring and you're saving people and you come back and it's like, oh, this is going to short like there is not much time left to do this. And so there's this sort of gaming out of like, well, how do I, should I go do this now or else I go do that? And like, I, I enjoy the, it's a little 
I guess, gamey. But I enjoyed this sort of granular communication there. I like it gamey. Yeah, it's okay for things to be gamey. It's just yeah, there, no, there's yeah. like good gamey and bad gamey, I feel. And and it's like when a game is trying to pretend like it's not a game and, and then is too gamey, I don't, don't like, like it. Don't like it, no. But, I don't like when they do that. If they're committed to being a video game and then they're gamey, that's cool. Speaking of video games that are, don't want to be a video game, I, I rented The Last of Us Part 1 from Gamefly and I played about <laughs> yeah. 10 hours of it and realized at hour nine that the, the full full frame motion blur was making me very ill. <laughs> and so I just played the whole game like on the verge of a panic attack and I wasn't like freaked out by the <laughs> game or anything. It was just because I was like, it was getting really dizzy. Did you turn the motion blur off? Wait, can you? Just turn the game uh, off? I don't. Yeah, I just took it back. I, I can watch it on HBO in a week, you know. <laughs> right, same thing. Yeah, watch yeah, the whole thing. Or, or, or if you happen to have access to some kind of a file server, there might just be a full playthroughs mm. of The Last of Us on there. <laughs> I might like, poke around any file no, servers yeah. I know of. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's coming out on PC in a couple of weeks, isn't it? Last oh, of Us yeah, Part One. True. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not not that you know, if it's ever on sale for like, I, I'm I'm not buying it again. I bought I bought that Last of Us Part One remake. I bought it. I hear the deaths are going to be a lot PS5. more impactful on the show, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back to the – someone mentioned Ratchet and Clank, and uh, Chris Graft, friend of the show, was uh, saying of the new one, he's like, could we – I wonder if, if they could stop making all the titles fart jokes. And I was like, they're not fart jokes. He's like, yeah, it's it's like ripped apart. And well, I was like, oh, rift, rift apart. But then I, I go back that? and I'm – I'm looking at them. Well, I mean, I did. I didn't assume that that's what they were going for. I gave them way too much benefit. Bubble area related jokes. Yeah, yeah. it's like going commando up your arsenal, quest for booty, a crack in time. I uh, didn't get ripped apart. Oh. Yeah. oh, you didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's it's that's very so stupid. I've hated it for a very long time. Uh, I had to explain it to uh, a, a guy, a, a lower level executive guy at Sony once. He didn't. He didn't get it. For New Year's Eve, because we were we were stuck inside, uh, Gamefly had just sent me Ratchet and Clank ripped apart. Because what I do is I I don't I I rent these AAA games from Gamefly and decide if you know I care enough. And yeah, I that's fun. It up. And here's here's an instance where ray tracing really impacted the game. I turned on yeah. the high performance ray tracing moment uh, mode, and I was like, wow, this is gorgeous. The reflections are ridiculous. Um, and then I got to an area and a door that was supposed to open did not open. And I spent 20 minutes trying to jump <laughs> on the outside geometry to progress because I wasn't sure what I was being told to do. And then I returned it to Gamefly. Also, the ray tracing affects the gameplay in that because uh, uh, it makes it 30 FPS, which is just uh, unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> you can do 40 if you have a 120 hertz machine or tv yeah. that happened to me also krista if, if it happened to anyone else because i had to look it up how do you get through this door there is a special type of dash that you only use two times and you have to use that special type of dash to go through that door and uh -huh. i'll tell you what the time when i you really really have to look it up is because uh, the first time I, I knew it because they had said it, but you have to then use it again like 12 hours later. Um, and it's only the second time that you use it. And so, That is baby shoes, man. I don't <laughs> yeah. like it. That's baby shoes. It's, yeah. It's not the best. Go ahead and swear on that in Congress. Yeah. yeah. It was very pretty, though. Very yeah. good looking video game. Yeah. Are we ready to go on to our lightning round? Yeah, let's yes. do it. Just kill me, Jerry. Uh, there's a new Pokemon game coming out, which means it's time for another round of Pokedexperts. Uh, Wait, there is, is again? Yeah, Wait, there is again. Oh, not again. Please, no. Which one? I'm talking about Scarlet Violet. We haven't done this segment since 
this generation launched. Uh, this is the segment where I present a Pokemon to you in the chat. I tell you its name. I show you its picture. And you have to write a Pokedex entry for it. Uh, usually like a sentence or two about what this Pokemon is like in the wild or its traits or what have you. You've played a Pokemon game before. Yeah, yeah. Kill me, Jerry. Our first Pokemon is Sprigatito, the grass pet Pokemon. <laughs> Sprigatito. I didn't realize its name was Sprigatito. <laughs> That's a funny name. Um, uh, always down to clown. <laughs> My wife was actually showing me all the Pokemon that I'd missed since I played Diamond and Pearl in high school. So I, I'm actually very, very familiar now. Sprigatito. I mean, Sprigatito is the weed it's... cat, so... Yeah, it's the weed oh, cat. Yeah. That's definitely weed cat. All right. Always down to clown. I guess we'll see. Sprigatito, always down to clown 420, blaze it. <laughs> 420. That's not really the construction of a Pokedex entry, but sure. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. That's Sprigatito's way. All right. Uh, Fuecoco, the fire croc Pokemon. Ah, boy. It's like an apple. Fuecoco? Yeah. Often mistaken for apples. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. apple esque. Uh, some of his cousins can blow bubbles out of their mouths or whatever. I don't know, some bubble bobble reference, because it looks like a, one of yeah. those bubble bobble dinosaurs. It kind of looks like a Mega Man enemy, too. Good enough. Uh, Quaxly, the duckling Pokemon. That's a bad name. <laughs> Quaxly. Quaxly. Uh, that Pompadour. Um, Quaxly thinks his Pompadour is alive. That's good. That, that's kind of a Pokedex entry. It's okay. It's uh, Pokedexy. <laughs> Uh, if it if it gets its haircut, it dies. Oh yeah, that's very charming. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like it. There you go. Uh, Lechonk, the hog Pokemon. Oh my god. Really needs a tissue. Oh man, it's that mucusy eyeball it's got. Yeah, it really. Yeah. Lechonk, the hog Pokemon. I feel like this would be one of those ones where they're like, its mother always dies in childbirth and it spends oh, yeah. the rest of its life looking for her or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Say, uh, 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 found in a toilet uh, recently used by a police officer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Hog bonkers. That's it. That's a good one. Thank Tandemouse, you. the couple Pokemon. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's, That's two Pokemon. It's just the two mice. Pokemon. It's just two mice. That's just two mice. Uh, yeah, actually, that's what it should be. It's just two mice. That's what it should say. <laughs> Is that real? Yes, that's real. Okay, my 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 Pokedex oh. entry would be: pairs of tandem mouse consist of four mice. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing double four tandem mouse. <laughs> Our next one is Cerulege. The Fire Blades Pokemon. Oh, let me get into Fire Blades. Look at this stupid thing. It's just like a Gynax guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Gurren Lagann. I don't like all these super evolved ones. First appeared in Square <laughs> Enix's Code Age Commanders, is what I would say. <laughs> Code Age Commanders reference, everybody. 2023, Rick, I'm doing it. Can fit at least 12 other Pokemon in its boots. <laughs> I like uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> its diet consists of raw PlayStation 2s. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our, our next one is Belly Bolt, the Elephrog Pokemon. Oh, yeah, the Elephrog Pokemon. It has two faces. It's coming to get you. <laughs> it does have two faces. Yeah, I don't no. like it. I don't. Are these all from the new game? 
These are all from the new game, yes. Don't like it, no. Oh, Lord. Don't like it. <laughs> I do uh, like yeah. the idea of a Pokemon <laughs> whose Pokedex entry is, I don't like this one. <laughs> uh, my, my entry is, it's it's coming to get you. Because it, it looks like it's 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 inevitable. You know, like that story of the, uh, like the snail that inevitably, inexorably uh, cl- crawls toward you, and when it touches you, it'll die. I think yeah. that's the, this is the version of that. Don't like it. It's got like it. an upside down heart. I don't understand there's so many different little things going on here. It's kind of an onigiri shape as well. Yeah. Our next one is Tinkaton, the hammer Pokemon. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just a little guy with a big hammer. A little guy with a big hammer. Uh, and, and kind of bunny ear hair, if that's hair. There's a lot going on is there, the, yeah. Is the hammer like the corpse of its mother or something? I feel like there's too much going on with this it's a, yeah it's, <laughs> it's got kind of a jack frost face it's got kind of weird you know yeah. the clonoa rabbit uh ear feet things hands uh but it it's probably got, is something like makes its hammer from the uh skin of metal pokemon yeah that sounds right all right our next one is wiglet the garden eel pokemon oh, oh so that's a, it's like diglett's cousin yeah <laughs> That would be it. It's like it's like Diglett's cousin. <laughs> it's Diglett's, it's Diglett's like Diglett's cousin. cousin. Yeah, it's like comma Diglett's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that like is that like above water? Sorry, I guess is that like out in the air? Because that changes a lot. Well, it says garden eel, so I feel like that means it's Ground. an eel. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like a the the only eel that can breathe air. Well, they all breathe air, but I mean air, air underwater, not underwater air. Look out! It's got lungs! Exclamation point. (laughs) Yeah. Alright, our last one is Goldango, the coin entity Pokemon. Goldango. Always challenging everyone to a quick draw. That's not that funny. Got a little um, belt with a a little battery pack and a diamond on it. It looks like that sprite guy, and it also looks like that guy that was like a macaroni noodle man. You know who I'm talking about? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, macaroni noodle man. Isn't that in like a Love to Leak game? I didn't, like, I've seen this guy somewhere. Wait. Yeah, he looks like a moon character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. Looks, he looks uh, a little macaroni man, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's few silly Jerry. It's few silly Jerry. Few silly Scott. Maybe it's like uh, it should be something million like million to one shot duck. There you go. That's it. S- split him in half and yeah. make a wish because he looks like a wishbone. All right, I am declaring Brandon the winner of this episode. Congratulations, Brandon. Hey, I won for some reason. Yay. Uh, that's, not, that's not a compliment, I don't think. <laughs> Woo. Uh, this is the point of the show where you get to make your recommendations and plugs if you are so inclined. I recommend that you watch Bee and Puppy Cat, the Netflix version, oh. uh, which came out at the end of 2022 or toward the end. And it was a delightful surprise to me. It this the The thing that was the most surprising to me was that it is possible to remember and identify traits from 2010. I wouldn't have thought, like, if you asked me what was stuff like in 2010, I would be like, I'm basically the same as now. But watching that show, the way that it's presented, especially like the sound design and the pacing and the uh, the way they use empty space, it is really from a different era. And I really enjoyed it. And it's very like, it's a nice calming thing to watch at the end of your day or something. There's it I I want to talk to Natasha Allegri at some point about what the idea was behind the sound design because there'll just be so much space without sound effects and some some 
character will do something and it'll be silent and then they'll do something else and it will have a sound and it feels intentional, but I can't find what I can't exactly figure it out, but it is affecting in some way. Anyway, regardless, it's a fun story and it's all hand animated, which is wild for, for this time. And, uh, it's nice. And they got, they got Sailor Moon in there as a voice actress hey, why uh, not? playing the character Toast. And, um, yeah, it's good. So give that, give that a look. See if you haven't done it yet. I haven't heard, uh, huge number of people talking about it since the relaunch so um if it slipped under your radar get it back on there my new year's resolution was to to get at least five uh one ccs in arcade games to get a little bit better at um, those and so the first one i've chosen uh maybe maybe stupidly was uh to do a cave um and (laughs) yeah cave games have a uh have a reputation for being scary um, devious but i'm gonna not xevious <laughs> they're devious no um rayforce is almost devious, but that's coming out in march um no i've been nice t- uh, the game i chose was mushi hime sama um which is playable in quite uh quite low lag quite good quality on uh, the nintendo switch for twenty dollars um mm-hmm. and if if uh you know, you played Nier Automata or you played any <clears throat> anything that sort of flirted with shooters or shmups uh, um, in the last few years. Um, those games are really scary, but the Switch game has a bunch of different modes. It has basically 10 games in it, and a lot of them are really just like most of the bullets are there to scare you. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're not going to hit you if you just move very slightly. And so every night after I finish working, I've just been drilling like, you know, like a 30 minutes to an hour on it. So yeah, I really recommend it if you have any interest in arcade games or, or, you know, the sort of, if you've played like, say, I don't know, Elden Ring or something, and you've enjoyed sort of a more challenging type thing, and you're sort of looking at something that's like approachable, but not, but like, you know, a mountain to climb. I, I think it's a really good, uh, good one to start with. Yeah, those cave games are good for a, a wide variety of reasons. Yeah, they're very smooth. Yeah, nice, nice, smooth, sweet little games. A lot of explosions and such. A lot of those, and yeah. Little, little Definitely, I, if you're going to be one CCing a game and you've never done it before, listener, uh, don't start with uh, with Ibarra. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's that's not a good one to start with. Don't start with Ikaruga either. I'm gonna. I have a I have a microphone in front of me, so I'm gonna say it. If you want to learn how to play shooters, do not play Ikaruga, please. I spent like oh, ten yeah. years trying to like learn shooters by playing Ikaruga, and then I played like five minutes of Gradius, and I was like, oh, this doesn't. Oh, what am I doing? Don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ikaruga is a really cool game, but it will not teach you a darn thing about about shooters. I'd I'd say if you want to learn shooters, maybe uh, do Mars Matrix. That that's a good learning <laughs> one. In my Mars Matrix. That's a tough one. Can't go wrong with Xevious. Every time I mention any treasure game anywhere, I get guys asking about, uh, oh, don't you like Gradius 5? And I'm like, what? there's like there's like this new, uh, I don't know, there's just like a new crop of, of, of gamers, or maybe they're young ones, I don't know, who like Gradius 5 and they think that's like the best treasure game. Odd. There's just a new guy born every minute, you know what I mean? On the internet. There's a lot of guys, there's, I guess. There's, there's a new sort of guy born every minute it's like for the last several years it was mischief makers like i would offhandedly in a stream mention really? i love sin and punishment dude heck of a game yeah but have you played mischief makers shake, it's shake, like shake. what people would be saying it's like oh yeah that game's okay i guess yeah i don't really like that one. Oh yeah I, I don't really like it either uh i mean i i, I don't know i i gave it a shot I love Bond Gaia. Yeah, that's a good. I, I would say Sin and Punishment is the best treasure game. I don't want to say definitively 
what I think, though. Uh, maybe you're pretty close, if you know what I mean. Uh, oh, it's Sin and Punishment too for the Wii. Well, I mean, I, I think it's probably just Sin and Punishment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Sin and Punishment 2 for the Wii is... Uh, we don't need to talk about that. It's an, right it's an odd one. Tim, do you have any recommendations? Uh, no. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I do. I'm... I'll recommend something for the both of us. I'd like to recommend if you're listening to Insert Credit on, let's say, iTunes, go ahead and rate and review it. That helps us a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to support us on patreon.com slash insert credit, where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, listen to monthly bonus episodes, get other exclusive content, and most importantly, uh, pay Esper and me and some of the other panelists for putting in the time here. Uh, you could also not join me in. though. Not not Tim not though. To, clar <laughs> to clarify, not me. It's okay uh, though. I don't mind. <laughs> Just letting uh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tim's doing his community service. I I told these guys that I I want two thousand dollars per episode, and yeah, they can't they can't afford it. So that's uh. why I act the way I do on here. I would put in a lot of effort for two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If our patrons can get us to the point where So much effort. Man, I want two thousand dollars an episode too. If our patrons can get us to the point where we can start paying <laughs> Tim two thousand dollars an episode, then uh you're gonna see some real improvements in this. Yeah, you're show, gonna see so. some changes. Oh yeah. But I, big I am getting two thousand dollars for this episode, right? Yeah, of course. You could also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com or look for insertcredit on YouTube, where interesting things will soon be happening. This show is edited by Esper Quinn with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And I'm Crystal Lee. And never work for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, that's my, there you go. That's my recommendation. Rhymed, rhymed my name. Terrible. <laughs> yeah.